Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger, and in this episode, I'm talking with Allie Rosen, Emmy and James Beard Award-nominated host of the TV show, Potluck with Allie Rosen, and author of the new book, Modern Freezer Meals. Allie also happens to be a friend and colleague I admire and adore, so I'm thrilled to have her with us today. Her one real good thing is to rethink freezer meals. And she shares some surprising possibilities for freezer meals and clears up common misconceptions and mistakes people make with them. Allie Rosen, my friend and colleague, I love having you here on my podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so thrilled that you invited me. Thank you. Well, we get together all the time or not all the time, not as much as I would like, but often and have dinner and chat people. Yes, that's true. So that's a great pleasure for me. And I'm so happy to introduce you to my friends who are listening and how brilliant you are and how brilliant this book is and how wonderful the notion of rethinking your freezer is. And I would like to really start off with something because I think, you know, you really clear up a lot of misconceptions in the book. And one of the things that you say that we had been discussing is you shouldn't listen to your grandma's freezer advice. And this is part of the rethinking process. And mostly in our lives, we want to listen to grandma, generally a good idea. But in this case, no. And tell us why. Yes. Well, I mean, first of all, thank goodness my grandmother, you know, is no longer with us to hear that. But, you know, my grandmother is a huge inspiration for my cooking, but freezers have changed in the eras since our grandmothers were cooking and freezing. Freezers are better. You know, the containers are better. The technology is better. So I think one of the misconceptions that people have about freezer food is that, you know, it has to be icy. It has to get freezer burn. It has to sort of be the sad stuff that you stick in the back. And what I found in testing this book was that not only could you reinvent the way that you cook with your freezer, but also that so many more things worked in the freezer than even I, a person who already loved the freezer, had considered. So almost everything that I ended up testing, thinking like, maybe this could work, did work. And I I was shocked by that. So I think the biggest misconception that people have is that there are things that you can't freeze. And, And while there are like some things, you know, like don't freeze your lettuce, obviously, but for the most part, you can freeze almost anything if you are freezing it properly and you know what you're doing. So that has been a real amazing wake-up call for me. Um, And one of the things that I'm most excited about with this book. I know. And it really is a lifesaver to have foods in your freezer, all kinds of foods, and to know that it doesn't have to just be soups and stews and chilies because yes, you have wonderful recipes for those in the book, but there are things in there also that people don't realize that you can freeze, like egg dishes, for example, highlighting. Um, There's frittatas and mini frittatas and things like that in the book. I mean, there's so much to discuss here, really, but I love the idea of busting up these misconceptions. So one of them is that just really understanding that that the technology has changed and the things that you thought didn't freeze well might actually freeze well. So what comes to mind from your book to me are eggs and things like that. Are there any others that you want to shout out that people don't realize how well they actually freeze? Yeah, I mean, I I would think, one of the biggest things to me was fish that you can cook fish from frozen, you know, as long as you're not searing something, you can sort of poach it in its own steam and actually it keeps moisture in the fact that it was frozen. So I love 
cooking fish from like straight from frozen. And I also, you know, you can prep meat to freeze. So I have a number of recipes in the book where you prep the meat, you sear it, and then you let it cool down and then you freeze it. And then that way you can just sort of shove it in the oven because I'm a big proponent of not defrosting because I'm too lazy to remember to do that. So a lot of the things that sort of surprised me were the things that you can sort of just shove right into the oven from the freezer. And meat and fish were kind of the big things that everyone says no. I mean, eggs, everybody says like you can't freeze a frittata, but I, you know, if, if they're small enough and if you package them individually enough so that they can then defrost properly, you can really freeze almost anything and just make your life easier. I mean, that's for me, it's really like there are some days that I want to cook and there are some days that I cannot fathom cooking. And what I like is that I'm prepared for both of those days. Totally. And I think you started tapping into this other misconception and that is that you have to thaw something before eating it. That I think there are so many dishes. In my book, um, You Have It Made, which I wrote several years ago, I also did the same thing where many casseroles and many different dishes literally went straight into an oven, warmed up as it was preheating even. Right. And then it took a little longer in the oven, but hey, you pop it in, no big deal. You don't have to worry about thinking ahead. And I love not having to thaw fish. And you can buy fish individually wrapped, even frozen pieces, which I do. And I love that. Sometimes I don't know who's going to be around for dinner. And then at the last minute, I can pop out one piece of fish for myself, put it in my toaster oven, even even if it's totally frozen. And I have the start of a wonderful dinner. And you have so generously provided one of your recipes for us. And that's going to be on my website, elliekrieger.com in the podcast section on this page. And it's uh, the ginger lime halibut. And this is going straight from freezer to oven, but also there's this wonderful sauce on there. So describe this wonderful dish for us. Yeah, I mean, halibut is a great fish to cook straight from frozen because it's, it's meatier, you know, it has enough texture that it can sort of stand up to that. The ginger lime sauce is really almost like a paste. You know, it's it's ginger, it's lime, it's some nuts, and you put it in a blender, and then you just sort of paste it across the fish, and it gives such an intensity of flavor that really melds well with kind of like the lightness and the meatiness of the halibut. But it's just that simple. It's like you buy it, you create this sort of topping, almost like the texture of a pesto for a lot of people who might not sort of know what that goes, or like a tapenade. And then you just freeze it like that. And then as you said, like you want one piece, you just stick it in your toaster oven. You want to have a whole meal for a group of people, you stick them all in the oven together and you've already prepped and you're ready. I mean, I I have so many of these days where it's like, I think one family member is coming for dinner and then four family members show up for dinner and having some of these things in the freezer that can either be like, I need lunch today or I need guests and sort of are equally good for both of those activities is, it's just such a lifesaver. It's perfect. And I love how you put it. You say it's a gift for your future self when you make something like this. And so I love that. And I also love that you say, you know, you don't have to like be all meal preppy, like spend all of Sunday prepping a thousand things and freezing them. And I think your approach is very similar to mine in that regard, that when you make something, you just make extra and freeze some. Right. And, And I think that that is another huge misconception about freezer food is there's this image of like, a mother at home, you know, spending her entire Sunday, like prepping and getting everything ready. And like, for some people that is an organizational structure that works for them. For me, it's like, I I do not have the patience for it. So I find that like, if Monday night I'm making the pork chili from the book, 
if that's eight servings, great. Then I will eat four of the servings today with my family and save the rest for later. And then I can either pop that out for lunch when I want it or serve it as an entire meal for my family again. But it's really that notion of like, you have time tonight and you don't have time another day. And so, you know, I think that when you're already making something, if you're chopping one onion, it's not a big deal to chop a second onion. So I think that that is so much easier. To me, it's overwhelming, the thought of like an entire day of meal prep. Right. I like little little chunks of things at a right. time. Totally. Exactly. Totally. I love that. And it's like a very much a cook once, eat twice or more kind of right. situation. And when you want it later, you know, I think we often think of leftovers as like, I'm going to make this and then I'm going to eat it for two or three days. And that you might start to get sick of it. Where if it's in your freezer, two weeks later, you can be like, oh, I'm in the mood for this again. You know, which I think right. sort of takes it out of that like feeling of leftovers. Like it feels like something new. So, I mean, that's something else. A lot of people will make multiples and then have them for days in a row. And I find that sort of, you know, not what I want. Obviously, some people enjoy that. But I like that on any given day, I can be like, what do I have in my freezer? And then you can have something new that feels new. Yeah, it's like a treasure chest, for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. Well, your book, and I'm just going to mention the name of the book again. It's Modern Freezer Meals. And it's Simple Recipes to Cook Now and Freeze for Later. Really helps you create a treasure chest out of your freezer. So so there's always something good going on in there. Another misconception that I wanted to highlight that you talk about is there's a misconception that food in the freezer lasts forever. And it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't. So like, let's dig into right. that. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think it's like, there's the two misconceptions of, well, first of all, if something is frozen properly, it certainly can last a lot longer than you might think. And that freezer burn doesn't necessarily make something bad, right? I think there's this impression that freezer burn makes it so it's inedible and really it just makes it taste worse. And also you can scrape freezer burn off. But the other thing is it is not forever. You know, it is, especially when you're using items that are a bit more delicate in regular life, they're going to be more delicate in the freezer. So I say like with meat and fish, six months, you, you can stretch that to a year but again, it's really sort of what your threshold of affecting the flavor is. Right. Um, but but it also is that the freezer should not be a dumping ground. You know, I think people sort of stick stuff in the freezer. They don't put a date on it. They don't label it. And then it just sits there. And like seven years later, it's like, oh, yeah, what is this container of something that is in here? And so, I mean, you need to keep an inventory of what's in your freezer. And when I say inventory, I don't mean something complicated. I just mean like mine is on my notes app on my phone, you know, just like what is in there. And that makes it much easier when you're kind of trying to figure out what to have rather than, again, like standing in front of your freezer, leaving the door open, letting everything start to defrost. So just those like little things that you can do to kind of remember that you have it in there and just sort of go through it because the freezer should not just be, yeah, like the sad graveyard of things you don't want to eat. Yeah. And I hate when there's mystery stuff in there. I mean, right. that is a big, big I don't know, pet peeve of mine, I guess you could say. Yeah. I just make my husband eat anything that's unlabeled because I know he put it in there. Right. Like, like you go fine. figure out what that is. <laughs> right. But, and you don't have to get a label maker. I mean, just a piece of tape and a Sharpie is good enough. You know, if you've spent time cooking something, you have an extra 15 seconds to just write. And all I write is the name of the dish and the date. Like, and by date, I mean like the month and year. And, you know, it doesn't have to get more complicated than that. It should just be enough to jog your memory and it should take 10 seconds at most. Totally. I do the same exact thing. It's like just a bare minimum what it is right. and the base and exactly the month and year. Perfect. So just to kind of touch on this a little bit more, this notion that 
yes, food may be food safe to eat. Like it's not going to kill you if you eat it in three years or whatever. It just might not taste good. And so there's a, there's this notion of optimal freezer life for optimal quality. So that I agree for optimal quality eating in terms of taste and texture, it depends on the dish, but it could be three, six months, maybe a year, depending on what it is. And you should think about the way that food degrades as just a spectrum of which a fridge and a freezer can slow it. So if you put something, you know, leave it on your counter, it will degrade fairly quickly. If you put something in the fridge, it'll degrade in the same way, but just much more slowly. And the freezer is no different. It's preserving it in a much longer way, but it's not infallible. You know, it will, you know, air seeps in and that air takes moisture out. And so, you know, which is why packaging it, and I'm sure we'll discuss that sort of how to package your food properly, but the less air that can get in the better, but any air that seeps in is going to gradually take away moisture. So yeah, it's not forever. And you know, if you put something in there that you're not planning to take out for years and years anyway, then you probably don't want it in the first place. Exactly. Um, um, so do, let's dive into how to package it. So what are your biggest tips, your best practices for how to package yes. food I mean, for I the think freezer? The first thing is air. I mean, just think of air as the enemy of all freezer food, you know, and we've all done this where we have a container and the container is like twice the size of the thing that we're putting in and we just shove it in. I mean, that you're basically trapping a large block of air in with your freezer food, which, you know, is going to inevitably make it worse. So even if you can just put like a little piece of saran wrap over, I mean, that will help like keeping the air off, wrapping things tightly. If you do things a lot, I like vacuum seal containers that have now come quite a long way. That's really what I use. The other thing is like to make it easier on yourself for later and to put it in something that you can heat it up in. So I love tempered glass storage containers, you know, like inexpensive Pyrex, you know, those types of things are great. And you can take them straight from the freezer, put them into your microwave or your oven. And again, like when we're talking about like ways to be lazy, but still have good food. I mean, that to me, like reducing an extra dish or an extra pot is such a huge thing. The other thing that is really important is that just because you are making a casserole does not mean that it has to be stored as an entire casserole size dish. So I really advocate for storing in single portions because when you're reheating something, you know, the amount of heat that the exterior is going to get blasted with is not the same as the interior that is going to sort of be the last thing to defrost. So the less overall heat that the whole dish can get, the better. So when you have things like a, you know, a lasagna or something that can sort of be heated to no end, like fine. But For a lot of things, you know, the less heat you can expose it to, the better. So even if you have, you know, there's an eggplant parm in the book that I love. I mean, if you have it in individual servings, you can stick that in the microwave and in five minutes you have a whole meal. So why do that rather than an hour in the oven? You know, the microwave is more our friend than I think a lot of people assume, but it really only works for single serving. So package it tightly and package it single serving. And that I think eliminates like 90% of the freezer problems that people assume that they have. Yeah. I love that. And I also think that packaging things in single servings, just like with the fish that I mentioned, it really helps you manage like, oh, it's just me tonight. What am I going to have? Or it's just the two of us, or maybe I have extra pop in guests and maybe I'm going to make more. So it really helps you be like the seamless, you know, cook when you really aren't doing anything else. Totally. I think, especially now that people work from home, I mean, we are living in a world where we often need three meals a day at home 
on an individual level, on a family level. So if you give yourself that option, there's a lot of things that I will make for my family, stick in the freezer, and then that is a thing that I have for lunch as a single serving later. So you want to give yourself those options. And I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's better for you and it's better in the cooking. So like, why not just do it that way? And I think the only reason not to is like, if you know you're going to make it for your family later, and again, it's just dishes, right? So like, if you don't want to do six dishes for your whole family or however large your family is, then okay, maybe put it in a big thing. But otherwise, individual is the way to go. Totally. Okay, so you say there are three big mistakes that people make when they're freezing. So let's bust up these mistakes right now. And we want all the listeners here to make sure they never do these big mistake things. And you say one is that don't freeze things in huge chunks. So that comes back to the single serving, but there's other reasons why not huge chunks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just that it's, you know, we, we don't want to serve things in huge chunks because it, it just, the heat is different. I mean, one of the things that happens with freezer food is we often think that the freezer is the thing degrading the food when actually it's the level of heat applied to the food that is making it mushy and sad, right? So if it's in a single serving, then your odds of having a mushy, sad, frozen thing are much <laughs> lower and listen, it's why like, you know, when you see freezer meals that are those prepackaged freezer meals in the grocery store, like they do not make a lot of family sizes. And a lot of that has to do with like, they want it to turn out the way they want it to turn out. Like use that same advice for yourself, you know? So yes, the biggest thing is single serving. Absolutely. Also, the second one you say is that people don't allow their food to cool down and that's a mistake. So don't put it hot into the freezer. Why? And I think this is really common. So why should yeah. we do you know, it, there's a science to freezing, as I think, you know, in recent years, we've all sort of become more interested in the science of food generally. But I mean, a, a freezer is a device that is really a pretty cool scientific experiment if you look at it. When you think of stuff that you get at the grocery store that's flash frozen, what that means is it's been put at a very low temperature, so it freezes very quickly. And that's because the faster something freezes, the less the molecular structure of that food will break up, right? Which I won't get into all of that so much, but just think of it as like stabbing through the like little pieces. And the more stabs there are, the more holes there are in the food, the worse off it is. So the faster you can freeze something, the more that structure will stay maintained. Well, if you put something hot into the freezer, I mean, setting aside the fact that you're going to heat up the other things that are already in your freezer, but for that item, it's going to take longer to freeze. So some parts of it are going to freeze faster. Again, the exterior versus the interior. And you're going to end up with a lot of those like terrible ice crystals, you know, that just completely degrade the taste of what you're making. So if you have it at room temperature or even refrigerated before you put it in the freezer, then it's going to freeze faster and your food will stay much more in the shape that you want it to. So yeah, sticking something from the stove into the freezer is like the ultimate no-no. So just <laughs> Of course, every rule has an exception because there's one exception I know of to this. Yeah. <laughs> That I, have to, that I have to throw out there because I totally agree with you, except for grains. When you're freezing just plain grains, like sometimes I'll cook quinoa or brown rice and make a batch of it and then freeze it so that I have like my own little pile of yeah. warm cooked grains. It actually helps to put it in the freezer and I do it in small portions so it wouldn't heat up my freezer or affect that for the rest of the things in there. But putting it in the and covering it quickly while it's still hot helps trap the moisture. The moisture, yeah. 
And you want that moisture. You want that steam for when you're reheating it. So a lot of it, as you say, is it's moisture control, it's air control. And there are exceptions for the case of grains. You actually want to trap that moisture in that bag or in that container so that when it cooks, it's almost steaming in that as well. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, I mean, is to remember to sort of use moisture to your advantage. You know, it helps to sort of par cook things a little bit, but then have that moisture back there. I mean, you have to sort of think of the freezer as retaining a certain level of moisture, which is why you get soggy things, but it is also why you can sort of have that advantage of steaming things as well. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that if you don't want to think about the moisture management at all, just follow the recipes in modern freezer meals and you'll be good because basically Allie did the work for you already. (laughs) So I know this could sound maybe a little bit complicated or, and if you don't feel like dealing with it, just make sure that you follow the instructions in these recipes. That's why we write these books, right? So that people don't have to do the work. We do the work for you. Yeah. We all love to experiment in the kitchen, but a good book should work when you follow it. And that's not to say that people can't make their own substitutions or you know, but it's funny to me, you know, when you see somebody say like, this didn't work for me. And then I changed eight of the steps and five of the ingredients. And somehow it just didn't come out right. And you're like, well, yes, because I tested it over and over again to make sure that it works. So this is a book that works. Yes. I know that I can count on you for that for sure. Always, which is one of the many reasons why I adore you. But then the third biggest mistake to not leave everyone hanging is something we already discussed, and that's not labeling things. So you really just don't want the mystery thing. You think you're going to remember, but you will not remember. Trust me. Always. I always think that I will, or I think, oh, you know, it's glass. I'll be able to see it. And then inevitably I kick myself. So yeah, I mean, you know, let things cool down, store them properly, label them, and you eliminate most of the issues that sort of come to mind when you think of freezing which are just misconceptions, you know, it's, it's just changing your habits a little tiny bit to make your freezer food so much better and work within your lifestyle. Well, thank you so much, Allie. It's great to have you here. Congrats on the new book. And thank you for enlightening us on how to rethink our freezer. We need it so much for having me. It's, I mean, we'll chat anytime, but this is fun too. Yes. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to rethink the possibilities of your freezer. Go to elliekrieger.com to learn more about Allie and get her fabulous ginger lime halibut recipe from Modern Freezer Meals. And join me next time for another one real good thing.